You're listening to The Killer Bees, live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at Apollo Men's Health in Leak City. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Right, what's your grade for C.J. Stroud after yesterday's performance? 713-780-ESPN. We're giving C.J. Stroud a golf grade for each and every week, including his preseason of his rookie year. So 18 phases, right? 17 games. We're counting preseason as one. So 18 grades for C.J. Stroud. We're using golf scores here, but you can grade them however you want. 713-780-3776. Before we get to our evaluation and eventually our grade of C.J. Stroud, let's hear from the horse's mouth. Let's hear from C.J. Stroud after his performance yesterday talking about how he felt that he played in yesterday's game. I feel like I did okay, but of course I always want to do better. Got to not take sacks in the red zone and got to score in the red zone. I definitely think that was a that was the main reason why uh, we didn't put any points on the board. We were driving the ball pretty well. Uh, just got to finish those drives, man. So I um, felt like overall, I mean, I think there's light at the end of the tunnel. I think there's hope. I think we showed that today that we're going to fight, and we're not just going to turn around and lay down just because uh, the score flips early. We're going to keep fighting to the end. I like that answer. Like, how do you think you felt? You played, CJ. Well, there's things I did wrong. Here's what I did wrong. I took too many sacks. We didn't execute in the red zone. I like that a lot more than, well, I played great today. Like, I want a quarterback who's a perfectionist, quite frankly. I want a quarterback who sees mistakes in their play, even when they throw for nearly 400 yards. I like that about C.J. Stroud. I think he is a, I think he's a perfectionist. I think he is somebody who lives in that locker room. I think he is a film rat. I, I think all of those things that, that are required to make a good quarterback in the NFL, he does. I love that about C.J. Stroud. I agree with you, and I think that he is polished beyond his years in the fact that you'd have a lot of young, cocky quarterbacks that know how much they're being scrutinized on a, on a game-by-game basis that would blow their own horn, that would over-talk and over-blow their own stats. They would separate and just completely ignore the game was won or lost and just talk about what he was able to do. He's, he's very polished and mature for a kid his age. He shows that when he's on the field. He also shows it in his press conferences that he has been raised well and he has been brought to this moment with the ability to handle the situation, which is fantastic. Because when we talk about the golf analogy, here's the way I, I saw it was he hit a ball, he hit his drive off the tee in the rough, and, and, and he was in a kind of a tough predicament. Instead of going for it and completely and then setting yourself up for a massive failure, he punched out, he put the ball on the green, and he made one hell of a long putt to save par because of the fact that the deck wasn't stacked for him. He knew that he was up against some bad odds. He talked about the fact that once he got on the football field, a hole was already dug by the fact that they scored on their opening drive. The turnover led to another touchdown. Boom, just like that, you're two scores down, and you're going, what the hell just hit us, and did anybody get a license plate? But he was able to do his best to try and lead his team back into the ballgame. Did everything work out? No. That's why he's not getting birdies and eagles and all kinds of accolades. But he did enough and scrambled enough to get a par from me because this is only week two in the NFL and he showed he could handle the adversity. Here was uh, D'Amico Ryans after the game on, on his thoughts on how he felt his rookie quarterback play. I thought CJ did a really good job uh, managing the offense. He did a really good job. You know, guys around him play a little better. Uh, but CJ does that every week. He just built on what he, he built on what he did last week, continues to uh, put the ball where we need it, right? make good decisions with the football. So I'm encouraged by CJ's play, and he got better this week. All right, so there's D'Amico. He says he was encouraged. He saw a lot of good things. Uh, CJ Stroud said that he was okay. 
I thought that Stroud showed some flashes of, of greatness, quite frankly. I think that C.J. Stroud has top ten quarterback potential. I firmly believe C.J. Stroud is the franchise quarterback for the Houston Texans. I see some things that he can do on the field that not many quarterbacks can do. He's mostly accurate. In that game yesterday, he's mostly accurate. He had a few throws that you know prevented some catch and run, yards after the catch, mostly when he was scrambling. Like in the pocket, he does not that inaccurate. Uh, whenever he's moving a little bit, he's a little bit more inaccurate, which is normal for a quarterback. I love his touch. Like the ability that he has to put touch on his football. Like Anthony Richardson, I don't think, has that ability. Anthony Richardson's going to be able to kill you. Like he has a strong arm. He's going to put the ball where it needs to get in a hurry. And he's going to run the ball incredibly well. Anthony Richardson doesn't have tons of touch. C.J. Stroud has incredible touch. He had that throw to, uh, to Schultz that was actually batted down incomplete. Yeah. But I thought it was a perfect ball. Like, the defender made a really good play, got a finger on it, incomplete pass. If it's a little further, I think it's That's potentially That's why I said, if you give, it, give him that throw again, I think he makes that throw. But if he throws it a little further, I think it was picked. Like, it, it might have just not been there, but it showed incredible touch. He can also throw into windows, which is incredibly encouraging. Like, there's a lot of guys that can't throw a guy open, or there's a lot of guys that can't throw a receiver unless they're, like, wide open. Like, I think Anthony Richardson's going to have this problem a little bit. But he has the sense of what a defense is doing. He'll see, okay, this is to cover two. He sees Nico Collins on a you know shallow post or a deep slant. I know he's going to be open in that second window, and he has the the ability to deliver the football with enough power. Like he didn't have a he didn't have a like a howitzer. It's not a cannon, but it's strong enough for every throw on the football field. Now, if we look at yesterday's game specifically, again, I think he's going to be a top ten quarterback in the NFL at some point. I think he's going to be the best quarterback the Texans ever have, and I think he has potential to be you know one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I think it's good for his second game. Uh, for, for playing the second game in the NFL, like, that's fine. He's ahead of schedule. His development's good. His development is fine. But I'm going to be a harsh critic. Like, he was the second pick of the NFL draft. You chose him ahead of Will Anderson, who then you used 12-33 in a future first-round pick to trade up for. So you're holding C.J. Stroud in high regard. I'm going to hold C.J. Stroud in high regard. The goal here is the playoffs. The goal here is to build a winner with the Texans. And I still think C.J. Stroud has a ways to go in terms of, like, a winning quarterback. And I know the numbers that he put up are nearly 400 yards. Now, in the first half, he was 8 of 15 for 110 yards, and he turned the football over. So most of the numbers came in the second half when it was a 21-point game, and it became an 18-point game there in the fourth quarter. He does some things that are still careless with the football, like that fumble. You can't have that fumble. I know that he was on you quickly, but as a quarterback in the NFL, if you want to be a winning quarterback, you can't lose the ball there. Uh, He's been careless with the ball at times. We we talked about that play a little bit earlier. Got out of trouble. He's supposed to be a naked bootleg. There was pressure in his face. He shouldn't have been there. Reverse course, scrambled to his right, and instead of throwing it away, just heaves the ball upfield between two Colts defenders. No idea what he was doing. Also, there's times when he unnecessarily leaves the pocket, and I I can understand a bit where he's coming from because he probably has a little PTSD with this offensive line. So I, I can understand it. But there's times when he unnecessarily leaves the pocket whenever he doesn't have to, like when the integrity hasn't been compromised. So I'm actually going to give Stroud a bogey yesterday, which is going to make everybody mad. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. But there's too many things in the first half that I think kind of put his team out of the game. He, He... lost the football like you can't do that he fumbled the football first half again was around 50 percent completion percentage 8 of 15 he did have that touchdown when they were down 14 10 nice ball to nico collins uh, but all those other things that i cited are, are reasons that i'm going to give him the bogey second half look 
He racked up a tons of yards, but he did it when they were down by 21 points. He did it when they were down by 18 points. He had 10 points through three quarters. Like, I'm going to grade a quarterback based on offensive efficiency. You have 10 points through three quarters, that's not good enough to be a playoff team. That's not good enough uh, to be like to hit that goal that you ultimately want to hit. And he got through the game with 20 points, which is still below average. So I'm going to give I, – I, I, was, I was on the fence. I, was, I, was, I thought about this long and hard, par, bogey. But I, uh, I gave Stroud the bogey because the first half wasn't good enough, and they had 10 points through three quarters. And quite frankly, they got blown out at home against a Colts team that they were more than capable of beating. Joe, I'll let you go before we get into any more deep discussion. Yeah, I've got him at a par for this weekend. So just a quick recap here. Jeremy on the season uh, has C.J. Stroud as a, a plus three. Uh, Joel and I are both at a, a plus one on the season uh, bogeys and the uh, preseason, but par so far in the regular season. I think the reason why, for me, it's a par and not a bogey and like why I was okay with it is because you, know, you have the Tank Dell touchdown that I think, you know, questionable holding, I, I guess. I didn't like, think it was questionable. I thought it was pretty clear. You thought it was pretty clear? Because they were debating yeah. it on the, on the TV broadcast, which surprised me, so I thought maybe I was just stupid because I thought it was a pretty <laughs> clear hold as well. And, like, I don't know, like, it, it's you have the fourth and run fourth and one on the goal line or third and one you hand it off your fullback like what are we doing here so I thought CJ played really well the way he connected with Robert Woods Nico Collins and Tank Dell I thought was really impressive so I was overall pretty happy with CJ Stroud's day but I think I might have blinders on because I watched such terrible quarterback play like half my Sundays (laughs) that CJ Stroud looks like a superstar to me so maybe I I have blinders on I thought that people were going to be critical of us for not giving them a birdie. Because, I mean, you, you look at the oh, body of work that. and you look at the numbers, 384 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Like, you see that. Like, I saw some people calling them special today. Like, C.J. Stroud's performance yesterday was not special. Like, no. I, it was not special. Like, you're not, you don't have an 8 of 15 first half with a fumble loss, 110 yards, and they have a special performance. You're not special when you're trying to climb out of a 21-point hole and racking up yards. And I'm not saying it was garbage time yards. Like, the game was still in the balance until the 220 mark of the, uh, of the, the second half whenever Kaimi Fairbear missed that field goal. The only garbage time drive was the final series of the drive. When it was a 10-point game, you got the football back. So none of it was garbage time except for that single possession. But when you're down by 21 points at home to an Indianapolis Colts team and you have 10 points through three quarters, that's not a special performance. My, my thing was he didn't win the game. I'm not giving any birdies or eagles out because he didn't win the game. He didn't win the game, and uh, I felt like, like you did, that there were throws he should not have made. But I also have to be fair in the fact that in week two of his career, when he is – facing the adversity he's facing by the lack of what he has to work with and what is protect what is supposedly protecting him. I, I think that it was enough for me to get by and say a, a part. I understand what you're saying. I'd push back on the fumble simply because at that, he was ambushed. I mean, there were guys every single possible angle, and a linebacker happened to punch, get it right where it needed to be, and punch that football out. But he was getting it from all, every different direction, the, you know, that's why I wouldn't I wouldn't degrade or downgrade him for the for the uh, the uh, fumble, but but the throws still will annoy me. The ball that we we both noticed right away, 
that should have hit the fan over there by the training table. Yeah, for sure. It shouldn't even be close to that that sideline. And it happened week one, too. Like, if it was it the did. first time that he did that in the first two weeks, okay, like, coach it out of him. But he had almost a mirror image play, except it was on the opposite sideline where he did the same thing. Like, yeah, he didn't throw an interception there, but both of those passes could have easily been intercepted. And it, it's, a, it's not a good decision. Like, just because it didn't get intercepted doesn't take away from the fact well, that it was a poor decision both times. Right, and it's the fact that when you see all these people, too, give him his flowers, they're like, look at he has hasn't had a pick in the first two weeks. He damn well could have. He could have had a pair. Yeah, in both games, but he didn't. So you want to say that he's a you know he's either he's benefiting on circumstances instead of being a victim of circumstance? Okay, but he still has a lot to learn. But the good news is he shows he belongs. You look at Baker Mayfield and some of these guys that came in with being high picks, being highly touted, and looked quite frankly, like they were overmatched in the first couple weeks of their career. At least from the standpoint of taking on everything that he had to deal with, he looked like he, he wasn't too, he wasn't in, the moment wasn't too big for him and that he wasn't going to not be able to handle whatever was coming his way. Could he have done it better? Absolutely. But I think he did enough for me to get a passing grade. 713-780-ESPN. Blankers has a par. Joe George has a par. I had Stroud's game as a bogey. 10 points to three quarters. Down by 21 against a team that you should beat. What do you grade C.J. Stroud's performance in game two of his NFL career? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees broadcasting live from Apollo Men's Health in League City on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Got a pair of games going on tonight in pro football side of things. Lots of baseball as well. And I got to tell you about my favorite sportsbook and casino, and that's BetUS.com. Football's back. We're in the thick of it. And that means it's time to lay down your bets. I only endorse one sportsbook and casino. That's BetUS.com. Why BetUS? Well, BetUS is celebrating its 30th year of sports betting service. Well, what does that do for you? Well, they have a special offer this football season because it's their 30th year anniversary. You get up to 30 risk-free bets. That's right. 30 risk-free bets. It's called Bet Protect. If that isn't enough for you, you need some more, it's okay. BetUS has you covered. BetUS offers the industry's biggest 125% sign-up bonus. That's right. The industry's biggest 125% sign-up bonus, and there's even more. BetUS.com offers a massive 200% crypto sign-up bonus and a 250% casino bonus. The game always gets more exciting with a bet, but you can take it to another level at BetUS.com with live in-game betting. Do not wait. Take advantage of their 30th-year offer, up to 30 risk-free bets. Get BetProtect. Get started today by visiting BetUS.com or give them a call at 1-800-MYBETUS. That's 1-800-692-3887 to learn all about their bonuses and special offers. 1-800-MYBETUS, BetUS.com, BetUS Sportsbook and Casino, where the game begins. You're live in the hive with Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, broadcasting from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, located at Apollo Men's Health in League City. How do you grade CJ Stroud's second game? Blankers and Joe with a with pars. I give it a bogey. OG, y'all sounds so dumb grading rookie QB so harshly in a second game behind an O line that is literally third string backups. The offensive line's not good, but C.J. Stroud also walked right into some sacks. C.J. Stroud told you that himself. said, i got to be better with getting rid of the football. i got to be a little bit quicker getting rid of it. can't run into some sacks. Um, Can you repeat that again because y'all sounds? Yeah, he said y'all sounds, which, I mean, a common mistake, right? A little typo. Yeah, but how does it – when you're criticizing how someone sounds, when you sound like – 
that. Okay. 713-780-3776-1602. If you think Stroud had an average-able average game given the O-line play and running game he had to work with yesterday, then you're just complaining to complain. Quarterback is the leader of the offense. So, like, a quarterback is going to be a byproduct of what he has around him. Like, whenever we're talking about Joe Burrow, I see Joe Burrow Chandler Parsons jokes. Like, he's turning into Chandler Parsons after he signs that fat contract. The Bengals' offensive line is dreadful as well. But as a quarterback, you accept responsibility for the entire offense. Is Stroud being brought down or diminished a bit because of the offensive line? Yeah. Is he being brought down a little bit because of the running game? I don't Probably. Probably, yes. But you also have, you know, it leads to tons of passes. You throw the ball a lot, you're going to rack up a bunch of numbers. It was an offense that scored 10 points or three quarters and fell behind 21 points to an Indianapolis Colts team that is also not very good at home. I can't call that performance special. I, I, I can't call it par. You gave it a par. Fair enough. I, I, I gave it a par for, for the simple fact that I pointed out, too, which is the fact that I didn't criticize him. I've been the one that's been harping on the fact that he, he, he's been depo- behind a very deficient offensive line, so he's already had the deck stacked against him. But he didn't win the football game. He didn't win the football game. You could go ifs, buts, candies, nuts. Well, if Fairbairn hits the field goal and he's, he's got a chance and it's not his fault and he's leading him down the field to try and have a chance to tie the football game, it didn't happen. It wasn't there. Yeah, there were turnovers. Yeah, there were some plays that were questionable. Yeah, there were all these things. But he didn't get the win. And so I'm not giving him flowers and accolades, but I'm not criticizing him either because I'm saying with what he had to work with, with the way the deck was stacked against him both with the line and the way the game unfolded early on, I thought he did his job, and that is that's good enough to get a par for me. I'm also I don't put a whole lot of stock in yards. Like Flimsy says, 387 yards in your second pro game ever with a bad offensive line is pretty impressive to me. Here's the thing: like 110 of those were in the first half, 274 of those were in the second half. When you're already behind by two possessions, like in meaningful football, Stroud was very mediocre. When it was a two-possession game when you were playing come from behind, he racked up a bunch of yards. Let's not forget in this very city a few years ago, Deshaun Watson led the league in yards with four wins. Let's not forget that Blake Bortles flirted with a top-five passing yard season in his second year because they were playing catch-up the entire time. If the Texans go 0-17 this year, C.J. Stroud will be top-five in passing yards. Like, passing yards aren't the stat that you think that they are. Dak Prescott is the one that I used to always harp on with the, with the year that he did the same. They were down double digits so quick in so many games that he was flinging it all over the yard and then Cowboy fans kept coming at me and coming at me. He, But look at him. He's leading the league in passing. He's leading the league in passing yards. Well, you're damn right he is because that's all they can do to try and get back in football games. Deshaun had the same situation a couple times where they only had four wins, but because they were down in every game, his stats were getting way inflated because that's what you do in the NFL in an already pass-happy offensive scheme. When you're down, you do it even more trying to get back in the football game. So there's different ways to grade, and yes, you can say his, his yards were high. I'm looking at the whole body of work. From everything that you've pointed out with how he's been savvy enough to, to, to read defenses, call audibles at the line, understand what he's about to face, and to be able to switch at a moment's notice, which Jared Goff and others early in their career could not do. The fact that he's made the throws, he's passed with touch, he's made a lot of good throws, he's made some bad ones. But in no way am I saying this guy can't play. No, no, no. Like I, I, Again, I believe that he has the potential to be a top-ten quarterback in the NFL. I think he has a chance to be special. 
I'm not calling him special after yesterday's performance when he racked up a bunch of yards in a two-possession game in the second half when they threw it 32 times. Like, if you throw it 32 times, you better throw for 274, uh, 274 yards in the second half. And OG saying, what do you need him to do, win a Super Bowl in his first year? No, no. I just want him to take progressions and develop. And I think he's ahead of schedule. I think for a rookie quarterback in the NFL game two, he's further along than I expected him to be. He's further along than what many people expect him to be. I think he's well on his way. Every time I've seen C.J. Stroud play in the regular season, I thought his first preseason game was horrendous, but first preseason game, who cares? I've seen him take steps forward every single week that my belief in him has grown and grown and grown. Both things can be true. Like, you can believe in his future while also currently yesterday playing at a level relative to the rest of the league that I don't think you can win football games that way. Yes, 274 yards, but 32 passes. I don't believe that's how you win football games in the NFL. I want to be honest with you, Jeremy. I didn't expect to see this much from C.J. Stroud in week two, through week two. I expected to see a a kid that was going to take a ton of of growing pains, going to make a ton of mistakes, going to have a lot to figure out. There was a lot of people nationally uh, from the draft all the way on through that doubted what he could possibly do and if he could finally pick it all up because they thought it was a weak quarterback class. I'm impressed by what the throws that I've seen him make. I've heard, I heard all about the touch, and I heard it at, at training camp and all the reports. Seeing it live in game action, seeing some of the throws and putting into some of the small windows he's put footballs has made me believe this guy is a fit for the Houston Texans, and he is going to be the long-term solution at quarterback for this franchise. And I was not sure of that going into week one or when they drafted him. Yeah, it, it's, he's, it's, it's kind of defined him for that. For me, too. 713-780-3776. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line for Vera. Vera, you're in the hive with the Killer Bees. What's up? Hey, guys. Appreciate you letting me call in. I wanted to give a shout-out to my Twitch family uh, who uh, wanted to make sure that they are being acknowledged. But um, back, I'm, I think we, you guys are talking about CJ Stroud enough, so I will not talk about that. But I, I will talk about a couple of other plays that I find um, that were very defining for me. Um Clearly, with the first two drives that the Colts had, knowing whoever has scouted and, and uh, scouted Anthony Richardson should know he was not, he was never a polished passer to begin with. He has a big arm, but that does not mean he's a polished passer, and he's going to largely use his legs to get out of trouble, which is going to be with any rookie quarterback. And I think that's something I don't know. They, they should have maybe blitzed more with, with Anthony Richardson to begin with and just let him throw into like tight coverage, which is, you know, one of those things. The other thing I was going to say is Will Mallory had this big 40-yard catch, which MJ Stewart missed. Now, for a team that's down and starting to miss, even Eric Murray, who for a long time was considered a, a liability, that, that speaks a lot. That speaks a lot to how uh, the, how much down the safe they were down three safeties to big to to big to play the game, and then of course the the during the drive in which he got sacked and they went for the field goal attempt with Kylie Fairwell missing the field goal, of course. Josh Jones has no punch. I don't know what what's going on there because he he, had, he didn't seem to he had a trouble like identifying as a left tackle. He should be identifying the guy coming from the outside even more than the guy coming from the inside. He couldn't diagnose that. And not to mention the the, the special teams have struggled a lot this year for a team that ran first in special teams. They they had false starts that pushed them back, and then Kyle Fairburn misses a 51 yard. By by all means, this wasn't a 58, 59 yards. This is 51. This is just outside where his accuracy ratings drop. But that was still a lot. So there's there's still a lot ailing even the special teams play. Um, kind of wanted to get your thoughts on it. Thanks, guys. 
Yeah, the injuries are going to be problemsome for the Texans. You mentioned that they were down to some some backup safety. They were down to their fourth and fifth safeties yep. because you had Petrie ward out. They lost another one throughout the game. Tavier Thomas, I know he's not a safety. He's your nickel corner. He looks like he's going to miss some time now with a broken hand unless he plays with a club on his hand. So, there, I mean, there's lots of issues there, lots of issues, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I thought the defense was worse than the offense yesterday. Like some For of the sure. textures, why aren't you all talking about the defense? Because we're evaluating a rookie quarterback who you drafted at number two, and we're watching his progression into being, a, we think, one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think he is going to get there at some point. 713-780 ESPN. The other thing, like he had 10 series, C.J. Stroud did. Of those 10 series, two ended in the end zone. Like yeah. is, that, is that an incredible amount of efficiency? I don't think so. You know the other thing that worries me when when uh, he brings up Nira brings up the Vera brings up the um, special teams. You could have lost Tank Dell. There was no communication on that one that he the the, the ball that he was fielding, and he, I know that he came right back in, but he took a shot to his knee to where you know you, special teams is not a lost art. And you watched it last night if you watched the New England game, the way Belichick's special teams coordinator put his his. His uh, what do you call it the the the, the gunner in motion? Yeah, it was pretty. And cool. then fired off the line and blocked that field goal when they needed it. But special teams is is definitely a, a, one of the phases of the game that gets lost. But with a guy as valuable as a guy like Tank, too, yeah. there's got to be better communication that's, on place. That's like on that. Tank. That's on the returner. Like so, I mean, if Tank wasn't speaking there, that's on him. Quite frankly, yeah, I haven't heard him talk on it, but I'm just saying. But the one thing on special teams process that I, I'm always worried about is the fact that a lot of coaches kind of overlook it now. They just think that it's supposed to be done and done right, and those are the teams that get bit, snake bitten by by one or two bad special teams I mean, plays that can cost. I've seen it happen with the Packers, believe me. But they all have special teams coaches. Like I think that they do value special teams. I think no, but, every team in the NFL. I think some are good at it. Yeah, I don't some think aren't. some coach it up enough to where it, they, it really is a valuable needed necessity of, of the game it's just some people think it's an afterthought it's not that big of a deal it really is i mean i think if it was an afterthought they wouldn't have a special teams coach though i don't i'd see now i've seen the teams i've seen green bay basically just hire a guy that's like 76 years old and just say hey you know do what you're supposed to do and, and the attention to detail isn't there and putting the right guys on the field in the right places aren't there and then either you lose somebody or you you have consecutive weeks where you either give up returns or you fumble the football and you go what the hell are we doing? That's the difference. That could be the difference in a game, too. 713-780 ESPN. You're great at Stroud. Well, that's great Steichen and D'Amico, too. Like, it was a boxing match. How did that matchup go between the two first-year head coaches? 713-780 ESPN. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Place to be on Saturday night is TD ECU Stadium. The Twitchers have been talking about this game since we got started. They want to be there because it's the place to be Saturday night. When the Houston Cougars take on the Sam Houston Bearcats. Sam taking, making the transition up to the football bowl subdivision. A college football showdown between the Cougars and Sam Houston State. Perfect way to kick off your weekend with some family fun. Get our exclusive family four-pack for an unforgettable experience. You'll receive four tickets, four hot dogs, four sodas for just $60. That's a great deal. Four tickets, four dogs, four sodas for just 60 bucks. Get your tickets today. 
Go over to uhcougars.com slash tickets or call 713-GO-COOKS. Come early and enjoy all the new activities in Cougar Alley in front of TDECU Stadium, including that huge LED TV screen. Watch the other games before you come in to the U of H game. The Bud Light Backyard, great spot to have a drink. Coke Fan Fest and much, much more. Great spot before you watch some Houston Cougar football. Get your tickets today. Go to uhcougars.com slash tickets or call 713-GO-COOGS for that family four-pack. Come early, be loud, and wear red. You're live in the Hive with Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, broadcasting from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, located at Apollo Men's Health in League City. It's family weekend, so gather your family and friends and come out to the U of H versus Sam Houston football game. Family four-pack special, four tickets, four hot dogs, four sodas for just $60. Individual tickets start at just 20 Get your tickets today at uhcougars.com slash tickets or call 713-GO-COUGS. Don't miss all the fun and pageantry and fun of college football. Come early and enjoy all the new activities in Cougar Alley in front of TDECU Stadium, including the huge LED TV screen, the Bud Light Backyard, and more. Spirit of Houston performing at halftime. Entertainment by the cheerleaders, Cougar Dawes, Shasta, and Sasha. Come early, be loud, and wear red. Give it away. A pair of tickets right now. The 713-780-3776. Caller number 12, because of the Big 12, uh, is going to win a pair of tickets to see U of H and Sam Houston on Saturday. 713-780-3776. Right, we're grading the uh, C.J. Stroud performance in his uh, second game. Uh, three, 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 eight. Hot take alert. You're being way too hard, uh, way too harsh. It's just to create content. Put his stat line against anyone else, and he looks good this week. Blame the defense for giving up so much points. Blame the OC for not calling good plays. Blame the offensive line, and oh yeah, no picks. Well, he did fumble the ball once, and he threw a ball carelessly that could have easily been an interception. Look, the number uh, numbers to me in football do not matter. Like Deshaun Watson led the league in passing one year when he won four games. Blake Bortles was almost a top five leaderboard guy in passing yards one year because they were trailing and they had to throw the ball a lot. I know C.J. Stroud racked up nearly 400 yards. He did it on 47 passes. He should be racking up lots of yards if he's going to throw the ball 47 times. And Texture, I don't want to diminish the other points. Like The defense was much worse than the offense yesterday. Bobby Slowick after two games is a much bigger problem than C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud's not even a problem. C.J. Stroud's not a problem. As a rookie quarterback, he's ahead of where he should be, and we think very highly that C.J. Stroud's going to reach his potential and be a top-10 quarterback in the NFL. And this is what this uh, other texter had to say about it as well. Uh, 0588, I think you have to grade C.J. with two standards and make each clear. As a rookie, second-star quarterback, I think he gets an A. Some of the reason throws are great for a rookie. As an NFL starting quarterback, I think B-. minus. He made some mistakes and throws that make him an average starter. I said that from the very beginning. Like I'm going to be very critical of C.J. Stroud and where he stacks up with other NFL quarterbacks because I have high expectations for him and because he was the number two pick in the NFL draft. As a rookie, ahead of schedule. Where he's at right now in terms of winning NFL games, I still think he's behind and has some things that he has to clean up, and I fully expect that he will. Yeah, I was going to say that was a discussion we had, and you and I had a pretty spirited argument about it in week one. But but the fact of the matter is, I, I ne- neither one of us have, have crapped on him or said that he doesn't have what it takes to be a starting quarterback in this league, that he isn't going to be the long-term solution for the Texans in this league. The fact is, though, he didn't win the football game. So if I give him a par, I'm not picking him apart. I'm not saying that he was awful. I'm not saying he was the reason why they lost the game or even in part the reason why he lost the game. I'm saying that with all the things that we posit, I 
personally tried to pause, and I think you did too. But there were so many positives that you can build on to say the kid's got what it takes. He, 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 he looks like he belongs. He looks like he's going to get better and better. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't above average. It wasn't, yes, the yardage for some people are going to look above, uh, above average, but overall, did he lead his team to victory? Was he the reason why they got within a score and then had a chance to win and then something else went wrong? And the answers to that are no. But he was doing better than last week, and he was doing better than a lot of people thought a guy in week two in the NFL should be able to do. So I gave him a passing grade, and I think that's all you can do at this point if you want to say, what was the ceiling for week one? I, I mean, for week two, I believe the ceiling was a par, and that's what he got from me. The, the winning aspect is, uh, I think, important here, too. Because like, I don't think C.J. Stroud was one of the like, – he wasn't a reason they lost, period. Like, right. I mean, Slowick, defense – uh, all of that, D'Amico versus Steichen, all of that, all of that. Like, Stroud's not on the list of, like, negatives here. But quarterbacks get graded on victories, whether whether it's the defense that carries them, whether it's a receiving core that carries them, whatever. Like, they get graded on winning. And this is, like, this wasn't Baltimore last week either. Like, this is not at Baltimore, you're a 10-point dog. This is your home for Indy when you were a favorite. Maybe it flipped over to the Colts minus one right before kickoff. But basically a pick em game at home against a Colts team that you're more than capable of beating. So, like, the opponent matters here, too, uh, when you're talking about, like, the victories and all of that. Uh, but this one's – I mean, I, I'll take – I'll assume the part of the blame on, uh, on this overall game situation because I thought that Richardson was two years away. I thought – that Richardson was, and this is going to lead into what you're, going to, you're about to get into, but I thought that Richardson was a guy that was completely unpolished as opposed to the, the touch and the ability that C.J. Stroud brought into the game. What I, what I came out of that game realizing is Shane Steichen's a heck of a coach for being able to do what Baltimore did with Lamar and just basically say, I'm not going to worry about his shortcomings. I am going to roll with and capitalize on what he can do and what he brings to the table. And what he brings to the table and he can do is he is big, he is strong, he is physical, he is athletic, he's quick, and he can make throws if there's a big enough window. And that's what they did. Who do you think was better yesterday, Stroud or Richardson? I, I just don't think we saw a big enough sample size of Richardson, but I can say this. Richardson, for the small sample size, to me, as good as C.J. looked, Richardson looked better because I didn't think he was going to be that good. Yeah, I thought I thought that Richardson was better than Stroud yesterday. Now, what does Richardson look like with 10 series like Stroud has? I don't know. But Stroud had two touchdowns in 10 series. Richardson had two touchdowns in two series. And you're going to put, well, four, but two of them were concussed. You're going to push back and say, well, one of them started at the 20. Why did it start at the 20? Because the Texans quarterback fumbled it. Let me ask you this. This is a different way of looking at this. If I took if I took Richardson and put him in a Bobby Slowick offense yeah. with the Texans, how would he look then? I don't not good. I don't think so at all. No, not good. But I think that's it's more it's not it's more uh, of a compliment to Ste- to Steichen than it is to say Richardson is further along. I saw someone say they made the wrong pick in the draft. They should have taken Richardson over C.J. Stroud. I don't feel that way. I don't believe that because I don't believe in any other kind of offense that Richardson's a guy that can make throws, can put touch on balls, and do the things that C.J. can do. Now, credit to the system and to what the, the coaching staff did because they have that kid ready in an offense where he can excel and build confidence with every play. No, that's a great system for Richardson. Seven four seven three. anyone who watched the first half of the game knows the score was a lot closer than the actual game was. 
it was clear who the better QB was in that half, and the only reason the Texans had a chance in the second half is because Richardson was out. Minshew played pretty good, too, I thought, uh, especially early. But, I mean, Anthony Richardson had four series. Two of them, the last two, where he was concussed. First series, he went right down and was beautiful. Like He was great. He was outstanding. Second one was a short drive. It was actually just one play after the C.J. Stroud fumble. Uh, Minshew had two touchdowns on his first two series, then a field goal, and then didn't score again. He had six total series. Stroud had ten series, two touchdowns, two field goals, and then they missed a field goal as well. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Keith, you're in the high with the Killer Bees. What's up, Keith? Hey, guys, tuning in a little bit late here. You know I love veteran wide receivers. Just want to get y'all's take on, you know, Robert Woods' impact, about 18 and 20 targets these first couple games. He's made a lot of catches. And also, with Dalton Schultz kind of underperforming on a one-year deal so far, you know, what are your thoughts on maybe getting a Jared Cook in here to kind of spread the field a little bit for Stroud? Thanks. Jared Cook, who's like... Two Keith, years past uh, his, Keith, his Keith's being past his He's prime. never serious yeah. with his veterans. Now, the receiver, like, I think the receivers for the Texans have been better than advertised. Boy. Nico was really good yesterday, second really good game he's yep. had. Tank had a lot more opportunity yesterday, and Tank was really good. And Robert Woods has way more juice left in the tank than I thought, quite frankly. Uh, he's been impressive. I mean, in terms of what I didn't expect that I got that I'm very pleased with, Robert Woods is one of those guys. Robert Woods, I kept thinking about if you had a true number one, that was just a, a do-everything, be-everything, like you really have to focus on him, and you had these other three receivers, your receiver room would be looked at, graded, graded out a totally different way because Tank is a dynamic weapon. We know that. And just get him in space and use him, which they didn't do in week one, and you reap the benefits and see the results of what he's capable of doing. And you mentioned the one that I noticed, too. He could have had a first down if he was led on the one ball that Stroud threw behind him, but he made himself available and open on every, in every situation. I thought Woods was extremely impressive. I thought Nico Collins had more than I thought and gave him credit for. So I thought the receiver's grade was extremely high for me because they did a lot of things I didn't think they could do. I think Schultz is getting a little bit too much criticism, but I think Schultz is still going to be okay in this offense. Yeah, he's, he's been kind of a disappearing act mostly because the scheme, I think, and then he's dropping passes when they're thrown to him, which, which doesn't help. But this is a receiving room that's way better than, than I gave it credit for, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Nico's better than I thought he was going to be. A tank, like, is he producing earlier than we thought he would? And then Woods is, is not, you know, nearly as washed as I thought Woods he was. Woods sticks his nose in there. As a veteran, a lot of times yeah. you make business decisions. He stuck his nose in there and made some tough catches that I was impressed with. He's a good guy to have on uh, third down, like third and six, good possession receiver. If, just if you're Bobby Slowick, let's stop using Tank Dell as a lead blocker on a halfback screen. Yeah. Let's get that one out of the playbook, or at least a different personnel package. 713-780-3776. Killer Bees broadcasting live from Apollo Men's Health in League City. It's Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about my good friend, Doc Linville. Doc Linville, best in the business at the Neograph Procedure. If you don't know what it is, you really need to. The, the, the Neograph Procedure is for you if you're experiencing pattern baldness, you're thinning or you're bald, and you don't think you can get your hair back. You absolutely can because of the Neograph Procedure. It's a procedure. It's not a gimmick. It's not sprays and creams and foams that just mask the problem. It's actually taking your own hair where you're never going to lose it. Genetically, you're never going to lose it on the sides and the back. Putting it where you need it most, and that would be in the front where your hairline is or on the back on the top where you get that shiny bald spot that everybody can see as you're walking away. I'm telling you right now, speaking from experience, Doc came to me and said, I need to get your hairline back for you. I can do it. I was skeptical. I was questioning it. When I found out all the information and I saw the procedure, 
I could not have been happier to sign up for it, do it, and now tell you about it because it works. And that's the biggest thing. 95 to 99% of the follicles that are moved are going to stay and grow and be with you for the long haul. That's a solution. That's not a mask and a cover-up. And as a listener of ESPN 97.5, you get a free consultation with Doc Linville and his staff. It normally costs 150 bucks For you, absolutely free. Just by going to 975hair.com, sign up for the appointment. Nothing out of pocket, nothing signed on the dotted line and committed to. Just an opportunity for you to see if the procedure's right for you, and you can get your hair back. I'm telling you from experience, it works. Check it out and see if you might be the next in line to get the procedure. 975hair.com. Go see my friend, Doc Linville. From the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, located at Apollo Men's Health in League City, it's the Killer Bees, Joe Blank and Jeremy Brenham. Well, you know what that music means. It means Justin Verlander is on the mound for the Astros in about an hour and 20 minutes, starting a three-game series against the Baltimore Orioles, team that just clinched a playoff spot. Former Astro assistant general manager Mike Elias was uh, taking a drink out of the beer bong in the clubhouse. Kevin Brown, TV voice, was taking a drink out of the, uh, <laughs> the beer bong in the clubhouse. Baltimore should be nice and hungover for tonight's game. Right. Justin Verlander on the mound. Uh, Rangers opening up a series at home against the Red Sox, who have not been playing well in a fire. Their general manager and the Mariners are taking on Oakland uh, for a three-game series starting tonight as well. So let's see what the Astros can do. They enter tonight with 12 games to play. This is the second to last week of the season. One and a half up on the Rangers, two and a half games up on the Seattle Mariners. Should be a competitive series, though. Two of the better teams in the American League. A potential, knock on wood, ALCS preview. Yeah, I think it's a great barometer, and maybe it's a good opportunity for a team that seems to always step up when their backs are a little bit against the wall or they're facing really good competition to show that they're capable of doing it again. If you firmly believe this team is capable, like they seem to think that they are, a flipping switch whenever they need to and being able to turn it on and be who they really are and show you their true identity, let's hope that happens. Let's hope that the fact that they go in to an opportunity where everybody says you can't win at home this year and they can't put their finger on it and they're changing the batter's eye and it's changed now. But you're playing a team that you're probably going to see somewhere down the road if you're going to get to your ultimate goal. And if that's the case, then this is a playoff preview and you need to send a message right now that your record might not be better than them now, but you're better than them come postseason if you play well and handle your business. They looked really impressive the last time you played them. They're not going away. You've got to be ready to play and you've got to put your best on tape right now. 713-780-3776. Texan Matt, future Jets quarterback. Gardner Minshew was the best quarterback on the field yesterday. I thought it was between he and Anthony Richardson. I thought both of them looked pretty good, which is a testament to Shane Steichen. It was 9013 says, the game is why I wanted an offensive coach with our rookie quarterback over a defensive guy. Steichen Stroud would have been, a, Steichen Stroud would have been insane hindsight, though. Uh, Steichen Richardson off to a pretty good start. Now, I don't know if he'll play next week with that concussion. Uh, don't know when it happened. That was weird. I think it definitely happened when he crossed the goal line. Right. That's, that's one of those deals where. two series after that. Which I don't think was smart, and I think that's probably something the team isn't proud of and shouldn't have let happen. But I think that you got to realize when you cross the goal line, instead of you know looking tough or whatever the case, tuck that ball away and just make sure that you keep yourself ready to make another play. Because it wasn't that the, the contact did it, although some people thought early on it was face mask to face mask. When his head hit that turf, mm-hmm. ooh, baby, that was a that was a rattle the cage moment. Yeah, he's got to be able to avoid con- uh, contact for the like sake of his career. Because if he's just a dude Lamar, that gets a bunch of concussions, he'll retire early. Like Hertz Steve Young. is learning it. 
Yeah. Uh. <laughs> at 35. Uh, <laughs> 713-780-ESPN. Let's grade D'Amico and Steichen. Let, let's, let's score it like we're boxing judges, and they've played one round. They fought one round because this should be a matchup we see a lot. They're division rivals. They're going to go head-to-head a ton. Like when you hire a head coach, you think you're going to have that head coach for five, seven seasons because, you know, you're thinking – you're thinking positive thoughts. You're thinking you hired the right guy, unless it's David Cully or Lovey Smith. But you hired D'Amico Ryans. You think he's going to be here for five, seven years. The Colts hire Shane Steichen. They think they're going to have him for five to seven years. Who do you think got the uh, the best of round one between Shane Steichen, D'Amico Ryans? How are you grading it if you're a, a boxing judge or a, a judge of mixed martial arts? I'm not arts? big on how the – I know it's a, it's a one through ten scale. I, I just know that here's the way I would look at it, and I don't. it's not that I don't think D'Amico's going to – going to not be good. I think D'Amico's going to be good, but he's going to take some lumps. He's going to have a, a, a little bit of growing pains. Steichen, I thought, would too, but I think that Steichen was an offensive coach, and he took a quarterback that I didn't think was ready to play in the NFL yet, and he's made an offense and made a player look like he's ready to play now, and they're ready to play against anybody in this league, and they can get points, and they can get yards, and that's a huge thumbs up because on the flip side, D'Amico's a defensive coach. I was giving him his flowers in week one because I felt like he took a very young, athletic, hungry defensive unit and he turned them into a, a, a defensive unit that could slow down the Ravens and Lamar Jackson a little bit, that looked like that they were effective, that got their rookie number three pick into the point where they could sack the quarterback and do some things, and Jonathan Grenard looked better. And then that all went away. So if we're comparing the two coaches, to me – Steichen wins, and I don't think it's as, it's very close. And yep. so I don't know how you guys grade that in terms of how boxing scales work, how to show that that level of distance. But I definitely think, in, if that's round one, that Steichen won hands down. Yeah, I go ten eight. Shane Steichen. I thought he dominated the uh, the fight, if you will, the gamesmanship between head coach, head coach, and plus also on this. Shane Steichen's calling the plays offensively for the Colts, and D'Amico's calling the plays defensively for the Texans. So you kind of get a little bit more of a like a grade between the two or a little bit more of a combat, like a, like a, a fight between the two. And the way that Steichen's offense looked against D'Amico's defense was a, was a no contest, quite frankly. Like, he knocked him out multiple times. You see what they did on the ground without Jonathan Taylor. Like, Zach Moss is running wild over the Houston Texans. Zach Moss, what he was doing with Anthony Richardson early. You know, Anthony Richardson ran for two touchdowns in the first two series of the game. And, like, no contest runs. They, hand, they fake a little run to the left side, and Anthony Richardson rolls to the right and goes in, would have been untouched if he avoided contact like he wisely should have done. So I thought that Shane Steichen called a much better game, offense versus D'Amico's defense, and then the gamesmanship that we, we talked about a little bit earlier, where you know the Steichen shows, you know, brings the punt team on, and then instead of, and then he, for a second while the punt team's on, he sends the punt team off, and then brings the offense back onto the field and forces D'Amico Ryan's into really a timeout that he shouldn't have called because you're allowed time to sub. The Colts weren't going to run a play there; they were going to take a delay game. It was all a bluff to get D'Amico Ryan's to take a timeout. And he did. I, I thought Shane Steichen, quite frankly, co- coached circles around D'Amico Ryans. Yeah, look, and again, I don't think it's a knock on what D'Amico can be, but I just think that it's giving credit where credit is due. I didn't think that Steichen, especially with working with a quarterback that I didn't think was ready, was going to be in this position and be that impressive, either guy. And both guys were extremely impressive. And if you think about what that offense could be if Jonathan Taylor was happy and, and, and healthy Jonathan Taylor and another weapon for him to use and work with, and the fact that if you're handing it off to him and then you're starting to run some RPOs and you're getting, and you're getting Richardson on the edge, the receivers are going to be open in those pockets underneath, and they're going to be probably even more effective. 
And I think it's the Minshew factor. The fact that he had a, a plan B if Minshew was in the game and a different way of calling the plays and having plays ready for a guy that was a different skill setted quarterback and still found results, that's impressive to me. All right, let's get to the, uh, the Will of Bits, see what Joe has uh, in store for the Killer Bees. It's the Wheel of Bits on the Killer Bees. Kibbles and bits, kibbles and bits. I'm going to get me some kibbles and bits. Who knows the bits the bees will begrudgingly bite? Well, let's find out. One must go. Here's Joel and Jeremy. And Joe. <laughs> All right, one must go. One team you can automatically eliminate from the playoffs so the Astros don't even have to wor- worry about them. The Blue Jays, the Mariners, the Rangers. Okay, so this is from an Astros perspective. You don't want to play them? Yeah, you don't want to play them. You can take them out of the playoffs, guaranteed right now, one must go. Who is it? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to – I'll start. To me, it's easy. To me, it's the team that, you know, as much as you beat and dominated last year, the team that's been your biggest, your biggest nightmare this year is the Mariners. The Mariners have, have been set out all season long to come at you, to, be, to get you, to beat you. And they've done that, and they've won the season series already, and they've proven that they've been in a series with you that I, I, I called the, the hardest-fought, most the toughest sweep in the history of baseball. They're a team that is, is lined up that, that can show they're capable of beating it. Their starting pitching has had a lot of success, so they're going to have confidence playing against you. The Blue Jays, I don't think, as well as they have some veterans and they have some good young players, I don't think that they're the same kind of team that they were even a year ago, and the, the guys aren't having those kind of years. The Rangers, you've owned. You know you've got them. I think they know you've got them. You, you're missing Garcia. You, you're missing Scherzer, possibly even for the playoffs. I think the team that is lined up to be the biggest problem for you of those three teams, in my, in my opinion, from starting pitching to the lineup is the Mariners. Yeah, the starting pitching of the Mariners is what scares me. I'm not really scared of their lineup. I, I don't think that their lineup is very good outside of Julio Rodriguez, but that pitching staff scares me. Uh, so I, I got to go with the Mariners as well. I'm not as worried about the Rangers. Their, their offense is – I mean, their offense is the best of these three, although the Blue Jays' offense is really good. They're two guys. The Rangers? Yeah. The I mean, two. they have the best – they have the most runs in the American League. But you take League. Garcia out now and Young and he's – they're, the, they're expecting Garcia back, aren't they? I don't know. I mean, maybe I at the very, very end. Back. I think it's, it's, it's question. But you've got Haim who's still not – he can't he, – he's not a switch hitter anymore because of the injury. And, and Young for as good as he was. I, I think that Simeon and Seager can destroy you, mm-hmm. two guys at the top of a lineup. But who scares you in the Mariners lineup outside of Julio Rodriguez? You're, you're, it's, it's a fair point. You know, I think that they've got really good balance this year. That they, they moved some guys out and brought in some better guy supporting cast members. There's no one, you know, France isn't having the year he had a year ago. No, I, the, I'm more worried about the marriage just because of their pitching. All right, it's going to do it for us. Thanks to BMAC, our on-site engineer, for doing all the hard work. Joe, for doing all the hard work over at our Gal Media Estates. Want to thank Dr. O for having us out. Congratulations to his new Apollo Men's Health. Haven, Haven did a great job. And the six-year anniversary. For Blank, I'm Brad, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Houston, Joe George, the bullpen next on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.